podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. everybody there's some blue in the sky here which means the sun is probably shining brightly wherever you are i live in the grayest place on earth it is wednesday it is the two-footed podcast we're continuing our preview of the 20 premier league teams that will take part in the 2021 season one correction to yesterday uh, i did say that liverpool could maybe look to sell divok origi to aston villa as Villa didn't seem to be making any progress with Ollie Watkins. Uh, news broke then afterwards that Villa have, in fact, uh, agreed a fee for Ollie Watkins. 27 million rising to about 32, 33. It's a little bit steep, but it's the player they need. It's great business for Brentford. I mean, they bought him for less than 2 million. They just continue to do this. Brentford are as good a team in the transfer market as there is. Uh, but this is a good signing for Villa. Um, but this is the second day where I've made a statement and then teams have just disregarded that and gone and done their own thing. Uh, I'd appreciate if, if you'd at least let the podcast come out for a few hours, lads. Just let me have a few hours with my statement um, and then you can do what you want. Uh, I release at four every day. So if you want to do your thing at seven, that's fine. Give me those three hours and I'm good. We'll start today with the tune. And uh, Newcastle have had quite a busy week. So they they brought in Jeff Hendrick already on a free transfer from Burnley. I like that signing. I think he's a good player to get a player of his caliber on a free, minimal sign-on fee, uh, solid wages. Jeff Hendrick is a good Premier League operator. You can play him on the right. You can play him in the middle. He can play in a two or a three or a four. It doesn't really matter to him. He'll be fine. Follow that up then with Ryan Fraser on a, on a free coming in from Bournemouth. A good player, and a year ago, I'd have been a lot more excited about this signing from a Newcastle point of view. But he had a terrible year last year. His attitude was really, really bad, and he hasn't kicked the ball since March. So it's a wait-and-see thing with him. I think he'll, he'll prove to be a good player for them. I just wonder if it's going to take him a few months to get up to speed. He'll provide quality depth at the very least behind St. Maximum and Almiron on the wings. Uh, so, you know, that's all you can really ask. I mean, so that's... Their, mid, their midfield area should be pretty much sorted. They have a good group of players in that area with Shelby, Hayden, the two Longstaffs, and getting Matty Longstaff to commit long-term is a good move. So you've now got five fairly good options you can put in central midfield, three good options on the wings... It just remains to be seen what, what they'll do up front. Callum Wilson comes in for £20 million from Bournemouth. It's a little bit steep. It's a little bit steep. And, and I do like the player. But he's not the type of player who's going to get you 15 to 20 goals. I think he's going to get you 10 to 12. And then I just wonder, is there enough goals in the team? Is he going to play up front in his own? Is he going to play up front with Jolington? That would suit Jolington. Jolington is much more of a kind of a second 
striker, Josh King type than he is an out and out nine. And, and when the King Wilson partnership worked, it worked really well. And both of them were subject of offers from, from big clubs. So it's going to be interesting to see what Bruce does. It really is. Um, they needed help at the back. And yesterday they announced that Jamal Lewis is signed, sealed, delivered. 15 million from Norwich. It's a really, really good pickup. Really, really good pickup. He's a very, very good left back. I think he's got the potential to go and become one of the best left backs in the league. And to get him for that price, when Liverpool were quoted 20 million, is good business for Newcastle. Um, he's young. He's only going to get better. I like his attitude. I like the makeup of the player. He was my preferred choice for Liverpool to sign. I think he could very well become an Andy Robertson type. Um, experienced international as well. And he's been, he's done it the hard way. He has worked his way up through the leagues. So I, I'm very enthused by that signing. I still don't think Newcastle have done enough, though. They definitely need a right back. The right back situation is not good. Let, but left back was the bigger issue. Now, Martin Dubravka had been injured and out for a while. That's going to be an issue. He's really good. He's one of the better keepers in the league, I think. Um, and they're going to miss him when he's gone, when he's out. I still think they need a right back, and I'm just not sure on the goals. I think they're still going to be in the relegation scrap. I think they'll be in the bottom four. They have a chance. These signings have given them a chance to escape relegation. But they're going to need certain things to go right for them. And they're going to need Steve Bruce to be a little bit braver in certain games than maybe he was last year. But he... He worked miracles last year. There's absolutely no way you could have looked at Newcastle at the start of last season and said, that's the team that's going to finish 13th. Given that the year before, under a better manager, they'd also finished 13th. The assumption was the two were going down. But Bruce did brilliantly. They lost Aosi Perez, their top goal scorer. Now, they replaced him, obviously, with Jolington and St. Maxwell, but neither of them scored any goals. So um, for him to get... 13th out of that team, I thought, was was a great achievement. But he's going to have a hard time repeating the trick. When your top league, sco- league goal scorer scores six goals, you've done wonders to not be 18th or 19th. Uh, they're going to need someone to step up this year. They're going to need it to be Callum Wilson after spending £20 million on him. Uh, moving on then, Sheffield United, uh, they've done really, really good business. So Aaron Ramsdale comes in. Now, he's not as good as Dean Henderson, but I do think he's a better goalkeeper than Dean Henderson was when he joined Sheffield United. Sheffield United one of the better goalkeeping coaches in the league, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see Aaron Ramsdale take a step forward and try and wash off that, the nightmare that he went through last year with. Uh, Bournemouth where the defence couldn't stop anything and he was just inundated with strikers bearing down on him uh, really like the signing of Jaden Bogle from Derby I think he will replace George Baldock in probably three to four months I think it'll take him to get up to speed fully with how, how Chris Wilder wants to do things but a very very promising young right, right back uh, really good going forward really aggressive obviously flaws defensively but he's 20 so you expect that also brought in Max Lowe from Derby. This is really smart. They just took advantage of the situation at Derby. They got the two players for 15 million. I would imagine if Derby hadn't been in financial bother, you'd have been looking at 25. 
low will provide real competition um, on the left for Ender Stevens. Real competition. So he's another young player. He's only 23. He's got a high upside. These are clever, clever moves. Uh, the one I love is bringing in Ethan Ampadu on a, on a loan from Chelsea. It's going to be really interesting to see how Chris Wilder uses him. He can play central defence or he can play holding midfield. Now, I in the back three, I'd love to see him play that middle role. And the middle role is probably the one role where they should be looking to upgrade in defence because Chris, Chris Basham is 32. And Basham's also a defensive midfielder, centre-back, hybrid type. So Ampadu could come in and take some minutes from him this year. I'd still like to see them add one in midfield. I mentioned Baptiste Santa Maria. I think he'd be a really nice upgrade on Ollie Norwood. And it looks like they'll still look to bring in one, maybe two others. Ollie Burke is, is one of those two. And then Rian Brewster is rumoured to be the other one. Um, there's talk that Liverpool are prepared to let him go on a permanent deal, but with a buyback clause. Uh, that purely is Liverpool attempting to bring in some funds to spend this year because they haven't been able to shift out the players they have there. Um, it's a it's a, a risky move by Liverpool, but it would be, I think, a good move for Sheffield United because if he comes in and does well, you'll make a profit on him. Now, it won't be the profit that you could make on the open market, but it's a profit. Um, and if he does well, he'll have gotten enough goals to to make a real impression for you. So Brewster would make sense there if they have the money. Now, if they have the money is the big thing. Aaron Ramsdale will have taken a big chunk out of their budget where they hadn't had to pay for a goalkeeper the last couple of years. Um, but Ramsdale, Ramsdale took, what, 21 million? So um, it'll be interesting to see. If they have the money, I think they should do it, genuinely. I think they should try and buy Rian Brewster because he will get you a ton of goals. Uh, moving on then to Southampton. Good business so far with Kyle Walker-Peters and Mohamed Salisu coming in. Um, Heusberg and Harrison Reed, the two kind of notable ones, gone out. Though Reed didn't play for them last year, he was on loan. I, I like what Ralph is doing. It's clear there's a, a proper vision here and that they're building with a purpose now under who someone I think is one of the 10 best managers in the league. Um, still think they've got a little bit of work to do. Still think they need one in midfield and one up front. I'd like to see them go and buy a proper partner for, for Danny Ings and not have the constant rotation. I really like Che Adams, but I think if he's your third striker, that's a better situation than if he's one of your starting two. Shane Long, he'd be my fourth striker, and I'd probably look to loan Michael Obafemi and get him minutes. Um, Long doesn't have many years left. If you could loan Obafemi and then have him come back to replace Long in maybe two years, that's probably the ideal situation. You'll definitely find a taker for Obafemi on loan because he's a very, very talented young player. Um, the striker situation, yeah, if they, if they can get a partner for him, for, for Danny Ings, it'll, just, it'll give them a little bit more cohesiveness and a little bit more continuity. The midfield, though, that's the one that they need to do because losing Heusberg, even though he didn't play after the lockdown and whatever, he was a very important player for them. He was really good from the turnaround after they got thumped by Leicester up until the lockdown. 
Get someone in to play next to James Ward-Prowse. Ibrahim Sanger from Toulouse. I mentioned him a few times. He'd be a really nice fit. Baptiste Santa Maria that I mentioned uh, with Sheffield United. He'd be a really nice fit there. They've got options because Ward-Prowse is quite a versatile player. You can play different types of players next to him. But they have options and hopefully they'll they'll address those issues. Um, I think Saints are going to have a more comfortable season. I think it'll be another building season. I wouldn't expect them to jump into the top half, um, but I think they'll have a comfortable season. On on Sheffield United, I, I think they're going to fall off a little bit this year. I, I wouldn't expect a top half finish from them again. Second season syndrome is a real thing. A lot of teams that manage to have that great first year do struggle in the second year. I don't think they're in any risk of relegation, but I do think it'll be a tougher year than year one. Uh, on to Spurs. They have brought in Heusberg, obviously, and Matt Doherty. Also signed Joe Hart and Alfie Devine from Wigan. Wigan just had their players cherry-picked over and over and over again. Um, the only noticeable departure is, is Kyle Walker-Peters, though Serge Aurier does look to be on the way out the door as well. They don't need a whole lot, in truth. They probably need a backup for Kane. I think they need a starting left-side centre-back, but that's me. They can get by with what they have. You could move Toby to the left side or Davinson to the left side of the of the centre-back pairing. Eric Dyer has been playing there in pre-season and played on the left of a three for England, even though it didn't work at all well. Um, I think they'll probably just buy a striker. Uh, someone that can come in and, and replace Kane when he gets hurt. I expect a big, big season from them. If I'm being totally honest, I think anything short of top four is a massive failure. I think when you've got that squad, that much talent, anything short of top four is a huge failure. Uh, Hugo Lloris is one of the best goalkeepers in the world. I'm not massively keen on Doherty as a right back in a four. I, I don't think it's a good fit at all. But, you know, as a wing-back, he was really, really good. Um, ben Davies is solid and reliable at left-back. He's not spectacular. But they've got really good centre-back options, even though I do think they need a natural left-sided one. The guys they have there, Toby, Davinson, Dyer, Foyt, and Tanganga, that's, you know, that's a really strong group. Their midfield is as good as there is in the league. Heusberg, Endembele, Lacelso. Deli Ali, Jetson Fernandez, Musa Sissoko, Harry Winks. I mean, it's a really, really strong midfield group. It really is a strong midfield group. They just have to figure out the best combination. And it still doesn't look like they have. And a big part of their problem is that Deli Ali had a really poor year for most of last year and probably the year before as well. Tangoy Endembele. I thought he was going to be phenomenal coming in from Leon, And he just didn't work out for them last year. Now, he is a supremely talented footballer. And if they can get the best out of him, they'll have one of the best midfield players in the league. But whether Jose is willing to put the work in with him, I don't know. Jensen Fernandez barely played last year. He's another one with a bit of talent to him. Again, his best position is open for debate. He's probably best as a box-to-box player. I just think they have the perfect group of players to play a diamond. 
with with Heisberg at the base, Ali as the ten, Lacelso and Endon Belly as the engine, and then Winks is your backup to Heisberg, uh, Lamella is your backup to Ali, Fernandez and and Musa Soko as the backup in in the engine. I think that would be, I think that could really really dominate the league. Uh, and up front, like their options are insane. Like Stephen Bergwin is brilliant. Lucas Moore is really good. Youngman's son, I think, is their best player. And Harry Kane's probably the best best or second best pure number nine in the league, him or Aguero, for number one. Like, how is that team not going to get top four? Anything other than top four is, is a real, real disaster for them. Um, last season, Kane missed a bunch of time. Son missed a bunch of time. Bergwin was only there half the season. Delhi missed a bunch of games. Um, Larice missed a bunch of games. I mean, they had just injury after injury after injury last season. Uh, Mourinho obviously only took over in November, so didn't get a preseason with them. Wasn't there for the worst part of the season. He's got a lot of work to do with that squad, though. He really does. Like, there's. If you're watching the the all or nothing documentary, like they do seem like a really nice bunch of guys, but as Mourinho says himself, nice guys don't win anything. Simple as that. Nice guys do not win anything. Uh, also on that, I've seen a lot of people give Danny Rose quite a bit of abuse. Um because he went to Mourinho and complained that he wasn't playing. He he's absolutely right to complain that he wasn't playing. He's absolutely right. The defence had been really poor and he wasn't getting a game. And when he did get a game, he was out of the team straight away. Uh, people giving him abuse then as well about how he asked, is there anything from Milan? Well, let's not forget, AC Milan at, at the time had had the Anthony Robinson deal fall through. So they were clearly looking for a left back. They were looking to move Ricardo Rodriguez out the door and get a left back in to back up Theo Hernandez. Now, that move wouldn't have meant any more game time for Rose because he would have been behind Theo Hernandez, but he would have got to live in Milan for six months. And people are laughing at him for asking, is there anything from Milan? Danny Rose was England's number one left-back for a number of years. He was the best left-back in the league for a couple of years. He's still probably England's second best left-back. So I don't think it's... A, a, like It's not like Milan or the Milan that we all grew up with. It's not like they're European champion Milan. They're not even Champions League level Milan. Milan are just a, a, Euro, a Europa League team and have been for a number of years. So I don't think it's outside Danny Rose's remit to say, well, what about Milan? He'd obviously heard something or he, he had put the, the feelers had been put out one way or another. They were looking for a left back. He is a left back. He's a good one as well. So people shouldn't be on social media giving him abuse for that. That's just not right. Danny Rose is a better player than people give him credit for. I hope he gets his move this year. I don't understand how nobody has picked him up yet. And we'll get on to a team that should in a moment. Uh, producer Guy has just let me know that the Ollie Watkins deal is now confirmed. Good signing for Villa. Brentford already have the replacement in-house now with Ivan Tony, who they signed a couple of weeks ago. So everybody's happy. Moving on. West Brom. Uh, so far, they have brought in Matthias Pereira, Grady Diangana. Both of those were there last year. Both are just confirmation of the permanent deals. Uh, 
Um, love the signings. Love both signings for them. Those two were phenomenally good last year. Have a brilliant understanding. Link really well. Cedric Kipre. Don't know much about him. Another one from Wigan who just got cherry-picked. And David Button will come in and add depth at the goalkeeper situation. Um, they have more work to do, though. They really do. Uh, I didn't know that Ali Al-Habzi had played up until this year. Ali Al-Habzi has been around for about 25 years. Uh, he came to to England with Bolton in 2006 and has only just retired. Um, I, I genuinely thought he had retired years ago. I liked him. He was a good player. Uh, anyway, got distracted there a little bit. Sorry about that. Um, I think losing Nathan Ferguson's a bigger blow in the Premier League than it was uh, in the, the Championship. So I think they need to go and buy one defender. Um, at least one defender. No disrespect to the guys that got them up, but I think they need a, at least one in defence. And they still need goals. The Carlin Grant deal has gone a little bit quiet. Now, saying that, it'll probably get confirmed about 20 minutes before this podcast gets published. But um, they need a striker. They need a defender. I still think they're going to be in the relegation mix. Um, I just I don't know that there's enough quality in the team. Even with the two the two boys, uh, Diangana and Pereira, staying on, I don't know there's enough quality. It does look like Conor Gallagher, who was meant to go to Crystal Palace, is going to go to West Brom on loan instead, and that will be a good pickup for them. Uh, they did need one in midfield, and he is a, a good young player. But I still just, I wonder if they're a little bit short on quality. But what they could well do is drop back down, come back up, reloaded. The players they're signing, Pereira uh, and Diangana, they're young players who probably won't have a massive issue if they do drop down. Now, they might get huge offers that could take them away. But I still think those players would be comfortable to stay at West Brom. I like Billich. I think he's done very, very well there. I think he did really well at West Ham and was unfairly treated. But I think he's just working with a, a squad that's a little bit short on quality. Now, if they can address it, great. But to fully address it, they probably need to bring in four more players, and I just don't see them doing that. And that's after Gallagher. It's going to be a long season for West Brom, but I'm delighted to have them back in the Premier League. I've always liked the Hawthorne, Hawthorns, always like West Brom. Um, so, you know, they're not doomed, but it'll be tough. Um, speaking of doomed, what are West Ham United doing? Answers on a postcard. You could probably fit the answers on... Well, on a stamp, because nobody knows what they're doing. Um, I, I I always thought Mike Ashley was the worst owner in the league, but these these guys just take the biscuit. Um, they've they've brought in Thomas Suchek on a permanent deal after he was there on loan. That's really good. I liked him. He was a good he's a good player. I I have no idea why they've sold uh, Grady Diangana. None at all. Sold Jordan Hugel at a big loss. Albion Ajeti at a huge loss. Um, and now selling Diangana at below uh, below market value for a player of his talent. I don't know what else they're going to do. Like they haven't brought anyone else in. The Suchek deal was done 
on the 24th of July. They haven't brought anybody else in. They haven't even got close. They should have been in for Maddie Cash and Jaden Bogle. They have the worst fullback situation in the league by a mile. It was the worst before Newcastle signed Jamal Lewis. Now it's not even close. Um, I don't know what they're doing. They badly need two fullbacks. They badly need a centre-back. They are being linked with James Tarkovsky. I think they've got as much chance of winning of signing him as I have a pilot in the next shuttle to the moon. I just don't know what they're thinking. If there's no money, there's no money. But they need to come out and say, look, there's no money. Simple as that. There's no money to spend. If that's the case, come out and make your come out and make it known. But when you're told it's 50 million for a centre-back and you bid 20 million and then you're told, no, it's 50 and you bid 27, you're not seriously trying to buy that player. This is not how a serious club operates. Like, if you don't have 50 million, you just don't bid for the player. It's Burnley. They're not going to give him away on the cheap. I just don't know. I think West Ham are going down. Now, they have a top 10 attack. Their best attacking group, Rice, Suchek, and Fornals as a midfield three, Bowen, Haller, and Felipe Anderson as, a, as an attacking three. That's top 10 all day long. And I'd bet Moyes won't play it. Their defense is, a, is an absolute train wreck. Older goalkeepers are 34 and older. I would bet on them going down as things stand. And then they're in big trouble. They're in massive trouble. Because I would I would imagine most of the players that they've signed don't have relegation release clauses. Because I don't think they thought they'd find themselves in this position. And if you're gone down the value of your players will go down, especially if you're desperate. And they will be desperate because they're already, like they already owe about 90 million in back transfer fees. Um, If Felipe Anderson was to bring in 20 million, that's probably not going in their pocket. The same with Haller. I think they're in trouble. I genuinely do. Anyway, that's made me sad. I like West Ham. I genuinely do. I've always liked West Ham. Um, finally, Wolves. Um, what to say about Wolves? They they sold Matt Doherty to Spurs because uh, Jorge Mendes told them to. They sold Helder Costa to uh, Leeds. That was an obligated buy that Leeds had to make. Um, I would imagine they're not all that happy at having to pay $16 million for Helder Costa, but he helped them get up. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, they brought in Marcal from Lyon for $2 million. It's a no-brainer signing. Adds a bit of experience. Can play on the left of the back three. He's a little bit of an upgrade on what they had. I still think they need another centre-back. Um, they definitely need a right wing back. It looks like they're going to bring in Alex Tellez. That has gone a little bit under the radar. That Alex Tellez is apparently quite close to signing for Wolves. He'd be an incredible uh, addition for them. He'd be one of the better left-backs in the league immediately. Um, 
but they need to bring in a right wing back as a matter of priority because Doherty was so important to them. There's been some suggestions that Adama Traore could play there. I think he'd be exhausted by the end of October, and I think you'd have a very unhappy player on your hands at that point. Uh, he's also got coronavirus, so he's not going to play the first few games of the season. Uh, they need to buy for that position. Simple as that. Um, their big money signing was probably the strangest big money signing anyone's made this summer. Uh, Fabio Silva from Porto for $35 million. He's an 18-year-old striker. I have to say, I don't know a whole ton about him. He's played 12 senior games, less than 200 senior minutes. Um, incredible goal record at youth level. Like, genuinely incredible. By all accounts, very similar profile to Raul Jimenez. So whether they can play together or not, I don't know. Maybe he is the replacement for Jimenez. Maybe they're planning to sell Jimenez next summer. That could be the Mendez plan. Um, you just don't know what Jorge Mendes what he's going to do, but it's a lot of money to spend on on a a child basically. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see how he does. I, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of him in the Premier League this coming season. Uh, there's been some suggestions already he might get loaned out just to get game time, and that's probably for the best. They they weren't short in attack anyway. They had plenty of options. But uh, that's a strange use of 35 million, especially when you have one glaring need with Doherty gone, that wing back, and one really important need, that centre back. Um, yeah, interested to see how Wolves do. I, I like Nuno. I think Nuno's really good at setting his team up. I think he's a brilliant pre match manager. I think he struggles in match. I don't think he makes good changes. Plan B for Nuno is more of plan A. Uh, a little bit Pochettino-ish in that regard. Um, always three at the back. Always. And I think it's more out of a lack of good defenders than, you know, this is just how we play. Because there's other ways you can get in the positions you get in. Um, I think he's just a little bit too rigid. I think it kind of puts a cap on them. Like, those games I watched last year in the league and in the Europa League where it was crying out for a change. It was crying out for them to just slightly shift their shape and he wouldn't do it. I think it cost them a few times last year. I think they'll be good again this year for sure. I know Europa League is a big, big bonus for them. Because Europa League killed the start of their season last year. Uh, I think Wolves will once again be in the mix for for European places. I actually think they'll challenge for Champions League to a point and then fall off a little bit. Um, I expect them to end up in the Europa League places, is is the honest truth of it. But like you look at last season in the Europa... Because they, they started their campaign... So early. Remember, remember, they played their season last year lasted more than twelve months. Um, but in their first what eleven league games, they only won two, and that is what hampered them. That's what hurt them at the end of the season because from there on they were really good. Um, but that that first eleven games really really hampered their season, and that was largely down to the Europa League. Without that, I think we'll see 
I think we'll see a better team and I do expect them to get a Europa League spot. I think they could even push for top six. So that's it. That is all 20 teams. Um, Tomorrow we'll have predictions. So I'll go through uh, what my expected league table is early because obviously with the transfer window remaining open for another another month or so, uh, there's going to be a lot of change. I think uh, tomorrow I'll also go through some predictions for player of the year, young player of the year, manager of the year, etc., etc. Friday then will be preview day. We'll preview the first round of games. And then Saturday, uh, I'll have an interview with Tom Flight, author of You're Joking, Aren't You, about Middlesbrough's 96-97, a little bonus pod that will come out nice and early Saturday morning. You can have a bit of a read, a little bit of a, a trip down memory lane, and then get yourself in the mood for the opening day of what I think is going to be a really exciting season. So as always, thank you very, very much for listening. Thank you to EPLindex.com, as always, for the platform. To our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield, of course, a VPN provider. Uh, so check out their services at libertyshield.com. I'll be back tomorrow. Thanks as always. See you next time. Podcast Network.